0: We teach in the context of agriculture. You may have heard that before. Alfred North Whitehead said, The child should make their ideas their own.
1: Are we doing that in ag? That's the critical conversation for today. Welcome to Al Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Al Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas. Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web.
0: All right, here we are today talking about something.
1: (laughs) Something, yes, my favorite topic. Hmm.
0: (laughs) Today we're going to look at a topic that is widely known. Everyone loves contextual teaching and learning. So when we look back at how we started and the SAE and the home project, I mean, contextual teaching and learning is really how we began. Instead of bringing stuff to our students, we ask the students to bring their stuff to us. It's kind of the roots of our... um, heritage and ag education but today without people coming from farms and without all of that we have so much evidence and a lot of times we talk about oh we teach science in the context of ag we teach math in the context of ag and it's pretty widely just accepted that that's that's really effective and it works really well and we tell our principals and our administrators and everybody that we teach the sciences and and stem in context but today i um want to push on that is contextual teaching and learning really as good as we think it is is it working is it not working what are the problems with it what are the things that we should um teach or train and and what methods should we use i'm just throwing out the question today i'm not sure contextual teaching and learning works as well as we think it does um, in our classrooms today
1: i think it's a great question because i think the other thing is I worry about it. it's a term that we just kind of throw around. That you know, whenever we're in a you know in a teachers' meeting, whatever else, and somebody says, "Hey, we need to do contextual learning in our school," as I teachers a lot of time we sit back and say, "Well, we've been doing that forever." Well, are we really? I mean, are we doing something that's different um, than 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 anybody else? And is is contextual learning mean more than just giving examples?
2: And I think we have a, a dichotomy. I think the science will tell us that contextual learning is impactful, but the challenge is how do we implement that and make it work in our classrooms, and I think that's where, where the challenge is. Yeah. So I have a definition <clears throat> to start us off,
0: to think about. So Bennett, Lubin, and Hogarth, which sounds like a really good Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> it's like the three houses of Harry Potter. <clears throat> in 2007. It's a
1: law firm from Harry Potter. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs>
0: Um, so the Harry Potter definition of context-based approaches is the following. They are approaches adopted in science teaching where contexts and applications of science are used as the starting point for the development of scientific ideas. This contrast with more traditional approaches that cover scientific ideas first before looking at applications. So I have just all kinds of thoughts about this. You know, I've I've done some research, and so have you, Brian, mm-hmm. about do you have the experience first? or I mean, do you have the context first, or do you have the reflection and the abstraction first? And I think we've both figured out that doesn't matter, actually, right. mm-hmm. whether you have the concrete experience or whether you have abstraction, which is the concepts, the learning, the theories, the the textbooky kind of stuff. Right. It doesn't matter the order. It just matters that they both exist and that you're intentional in <laughs> being present with the kids while they're learning right. so with this definition um, it's interesting to think is that what we think about in contextual teaching and learning in ag education
1: well you know I think you hit on it that part of a thing and I was preparing and thinking about this one I, I hate that I, I seem like I always go back to the same conclusion for all this stuff and the more and more I do it it's like we have to be explicit in our teaching we can't just say we're going to be doing stuff and you know providing these examples we have to be you know we have to be explicit. It doesn't matter what order we do things. Sometimes it doesn't even matter what we do unless we are explicit and intentional and make the decision as teachers to do certain things. Mm. And I think that's that's one of the bigger points, whether it's a, in a laboratory experience or or lecturing or whatever we're doing. And I think what you know, as we look at this idea of contextual learning, I think the research would tell us that contextual learning is good. But as you're saying, I'm not sure we're, we do it well. I'm not sure we practice it well um, as we're as we're going through as teachers. I look at, you know, and I'm pointing the finger at myself. I, I did not, when I was teaching high school, probably didn't do a good enough job doing it. Even today, I probably don't harness the power of the context um, like I should to do it, even though I know from the research and my own research, that's what I should be doing.
2: Yeah, I know we, we really <clears throat> talk about the fact that we do science instead of teach science and a variety of things like that, but we still got to go back. I, I, I always reflect and go back to kind of what the National Research Council wrote when they were talking about how people learn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part part of that is the fact that, you know, we have to have deep foundational factual knowledge um, to be competent. We have to understand facts and ideas within a framework. We have preconceived ideas, and then we have to have this metacognition that takes place. And I think we take for granted that we have this built-in natural context that we you know, it's like spaghetti sauce or ragu. It's in there. Right. So we don't have to worry about anything that, that, that's there and it happens organically. But in order for learning to take place, I don't think we can focus on it from an organic perspective. We've got to be intentional.
1: I like that. He knows, he knows his audience working with us, Mark. That's right. Use a food reference. We're with you, man. Food, we, we got it.
0: I was just thinking that would make a great T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a few of those this week. Yes. That would be a good one. <laughs> and I, you know, I do think it comes down to, I think so often as a teacher, I, I, kn- I didn't know CT existed. I didn't even know it was a thing. I knew that I taught principles in agriculture and that made things kind of come alive a little bit. But in all honesty, there were a lot of times that I was just teaching content. And it was not, you know, in the definition, it's implied that this is some kind of a different approach. mm -hmm. So if the approach is not uniquely different in some way, then it's, if it's, if it's, it's so much of everything that it's nothing. So I never thought of that. And I definitely did not purposefully do anything to be contextual. And, you know, I'll throw out there another point of discussion as a teacher, um, there's been a lot of work done by Pearson Young and Richardson and um, Dr. Stone, Dr. Edwards um, at Oklahoma State, Dr. Parr, who's now at Murray State, Murray State. and a lot of this science, there they're for a couple years, there was a lot of science about contextual teaching and learning, and they proposed a seven-element plan for how to teach contextually, so here it is. Get your fingers out. Number one. Introduce the lesson. (laughs) That seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. Got it. Check. Good check. Got it. (laughs) Element two, assess the student's science knowledge or math knowledge. So assess the knowledge, um, the content knowledge, not the context knowledge. Element three, work through embedded science. So talk about the science embedded in the agricultural context. Element four, work through the related contextual science. So you teach it in your embedded science, and then you stretch the science to an entirely different context Mm -hmm. and apply it somewhere else. So you might be talking about ruminants and the science of digestion, and then you stretch that out to the science of your own nutrition. Five, Work through the explicit science. So get back to the science concept. Element six, students demonstrate understanding of the career and technical education or ag and the science. And then element seven, you assess the CTE and the science. So Dr. Edwards would say you take a science concept and you wrap a rubber band around it. And then you stretch that rubber band to an ag context and then let it return. And then you stretch it all the way out to another context and let it return. And so you get some of that, you know, trying one science concept in multiple contexts. Mm -hmm. So by definition, that is contextual teaching and learning. Um, That is how it should be taught in a classroom. That is the method that we have in our literature. Um, I don't think I, 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 I don't, I can't think of one time ever as a teacher I did anything that well, right you know, elemented
1: out. Well, and the one, the other thing is, you know, with that particular method, I know one of the, the pushbacks sometimes with really strong contextual teaching of anything, you know, if you're going to teach in a, in a certain examples or whatever else, is a lack of transferability. You know, that a student's only going to be able to know how to do it with beef cattle, not be able to understand how to do it in some other species of animal or the basic science concepts from moving from animals to plants or whatever else. But in that particular model, it really shows you about you're, you have to really work, okay, you learn it in this context, but then stretch beyond it mm. to figure out how, in, how you can apply that in some other area and figure out what those basic concepts are. So I think that really helps address that that conflict between context and transferability.
2: I think the other challenge with this is we've evolved as educators, and I think we've tried to move from just remembering and rope knowledge and memorization to really teaching for understanding. Mm -hmm. So when we start thinking about conceptual learning, contextual learning, having that frame to build upon mental schemas and and frameworks that uh, people can understand, I think certainly is helpful as well. Well, you know, my... I'm being a little antagonistic
0: about it because I really do believe as an experiential educator, this is experiential learning. I mean, this is what Whitehead talked about forever ago about it must be grounded in a student's context. But I think what I'm, what I'm pushing on in my head a little bit is, well, first, what, I mean, what do we know? Mm-hmm. We know, I mean, there are studies out the wazoo saying this works. Specifically in Ag Ed, it's probably good to note that all of these researchers that we mentioned, they basically had a few research questions. Number one, does it help teach the Ag? So, does our context lose anything when we bring in a lot of science or math? And then, do we actually learn the science and math? And what they found was, the students, if you use this seven-element model that is Contextual Teaching and Learning in CTE... The students did not lose any of their ability to perform on an exam in agriculture, and they also performed well in the science or the math. So their mentality, you know, their findings, which are backed by a large body of research, a lot of research studies have been done by scientists, even outside of ag, mostly outside of ag, that you can add in explicit science and not give up anything in ag, um... But my question is, you know, when you run an experiment, it's just, I think if you ran the seven element process very cleanly, Mm -hmm. you would expect those results. But if you're not running those seven element type lessons, then you can't really cue into the findings or expect the same findings as those results.
3: Mm -hmm. Can I think about this from a teacher standpoint? Nope.
0: (laughs) By the way, we were at Harry Potter, so you have to be in Harry Potter... Some kind of Harry Potter involvement. Yeah.
3: What? Mm-hmm. I don't know how we would do that right here.
0: So what would a teacher say?
3: What? So I'm thinking... What
0: does a teacher say? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, like, I'm thinking about the student. If I'm actually putting this into practice, like, great that they're doing well on tests, but these are the students that, you know, they say, like, this isn't science class. I, you know, like, they start pushing back that, this is an ag class. I'm supposed to be having fun in here. Now I'm learning science things that I didn't want to learn. And some teachers, and I know some subjects, you can, like, sneak, sneak it, it in there, there, right, and they don't know. But oftentimes I know because it's an elective class, like, that they might, re- like, I know I would be a little shy of, like, I'm going to be a little hesitant at how much science I put in here because I still need them to sign up for my class and feel like it's not science.
0: So I can just hear, I can hear from Stillwater, Oklahoma, Craig Edwards, Dr. Edwards. You don't
3: want to fight Dr. Edwards. He,
0: Oh, you will lose. He knows this incredibly well. And Dr. Edwards would always say, I'm not adding science to your ag. I'm not taking over ag. Mm -hmm. The science is already there. Whether you want it or don't want it, that's irrelevant. It's there. So you can't add or take away the science if you're teaching ag. It's implicit. His thing is... You have to shine the spotlight on it every once in a while, though. And so when he talks about contextual teaching and learning, he really is just saying there is already embedded science in what you're teaching, but you have to make that explicit for your students. So Mm -hmm. if you're teaching rations, you need to stop and be explicit in saying, okay, we're talking about rations. Pause. First, we need to talk about ratios and fractions And multiplying fractions and adding fractions and percentages and poundage. We gotta talk about the math and we need to shine the light on that and then get back into the context. And he, you know, so he would always say, we're not taking away time for ag, we're not adding something to the bucket. We're simply shining the light on what's already in the bucket.
3: I think you still have students that are like, okay, but like, why am I learning about this math? This is a math class. I get it. It's there. And it's the, and we're just trying to highlight what's already there. I just wonder how you do that in a way that doesn't make your students turn off.
0: I would argue it's impossible to learn how to fertilize plants. It's impossible to do that without some math and some science. Explicit, like, yeah. concepts. So, I, you know, I think if you're saying... I don't want to add that, then I would argue, well, then you're probably not teaching it at a very deep level.
3: No, you're just like, it's the psychomotor skills of, like, literally putting out fertilizer.
0: It's like the method of, like, we're going to win farm business management contest by memorizing this three-inch binder of a thousand questions. Yeah. You know, rather than saying, like, if you really want to understand finances and ag finances, like, you have to know some mathematical principles, period.
1: And I think that's one thing again I like about this this model this this what, seven steps we're trying to go through is it shows us to make sure that we do this be explicit about the math or science behind it because I, I do think Kate's right I mean sometimes we we do kind of skim over it to not use the math words to, to get them to figure something out but I think that hurts our transferability to, to move it into something else because okay I don't I know that I need to put three scoops of fertilizer into the into the water to mix it up to, to be able to apply it to the greenhouse. Mm. But then what happens when I don't have that same scoop or what happens when I use a different kind of fertilizer or how do I figure out what I need to be doing? And so I have to figure out the math behind it to 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 make it all work. And and it's interesting just to cue in and like think about those elements.
0: It says like you introduce uh, let's say we're gonna be doing calculating rations, right? So first, you introduce, good morning, kiddos. Today, we're going to learn how to calculate rations. The next thing you do is, okay, before we can calculate rations, we need to just figure out where we all are on ratios and fractions to make sure we have the equipment that we need to calculate a a ration. So the second element is assessing their math or science skills. Then you work through rations, like the real deal. So it's also just good practice, like... Jumping right into a ration, I don't know how many times you guys, like, I'll never forget student teaching at Lake Butler, Florida, and I was doing the water, Calgon, soil, shake it up, let the cup settle, and we got that done, and we all got our cups, and I never taught anything about the math. I didn't even think math was involved. But what do you have to do when the soil settles out? You have to, the sand, the silt, and the clay end up forming layers, and then above that is the water that was used to mix so then when you say hey kiddos real quick everyone just write down like just eyeball it what percentage of sand, silt, and clay do you think <clears throat> is in your soil you talk about an, a wake up call mm-hmm. uh, I have 2%, 5%, and 3% <laughs> Yeah, and you're like but it has to equal 100 <laughs> oh, oh I'm sorry one, point. <laughs> I have .1% no no you have no, it's point oh one percent, which is one percent, and it's not point oh one percent. And and they, you know, they were including the water in the. Hundred. It was just a disaster, right? Because just from good teaching's perspective, I did not stop to look at the science or the math that was going to be required to adequately teach the contextual problems.
3: I watched one of those. I went in and observed an intern, and um, she she managed to confuse even the um, the mentor teacher on how to read a tape measure. And I watched as like they started (laughs) at like a level six of how to read a tape measure and basically like brought everyone in the class down to where by the end of the class, no one knew how to read a tape measure anymore. It was amazing. I've never seen backward learning, like unlearning (laughs) at such a rapid pace. But it was because they assumed that like, I've been around tape measures all the time. Surely I don't need to prepare for this. And then they got in there and then students started asking questions and then they tried to do some of the math and like the whole class is watching while they're like, wait, hold up. You know, like, they had no idea by the end. No one knew how to read the tape measure. No one wanted to touch one anymore. But it's all because they did not spend 30 minutes themselves making sure that they knew the math mm. behind, like, the fractions behind a tape measure.
2: So one of the unintended consequences of this that I think brings some value to the whole educational system is if we get this done and we do it right, um, we, we start allowing the students to connect back to that math class and back to that science class. You know, uh, in my ag business classes when I was teaching at the high school level, um, students were required to take an econ class, and inevitably we would be a week or two ahead of where the econ teacher was in some of So being able to make those connections and and bring it to life, and it's like, okay, so I am going to use this math and use ratios outside of math class and, and use it throughout the rest of my life rather than just saying... Uh, I don't need to take this math class. I'm going to tune out because I'm never going to use this stuff.
3: Yeah. Now, did you ever talk to the other teachers to make sure, like, did you just happen to end up a couple weeks ahead, or did you, um, like, did you ever talk with them to be like, hey, I'm teaching this now, just to make sure that it was connected enough, like, distance, you know, like wise? Yeah,
2: it wasn't intentional enough. I mean, we we didn't spend that conversation. I think the bigger surprise was the econ teacher saying. Was surprised that we were actually teaching it and and using those principles within within an egg class and a farm business management class.
3: And did you ever feel like you um, was that like a helpful? Was she like i Was he or she like, hey, awesome, thanks for the help, or was it more like a turf war? Like was there snapping and like?
2: get out of the <laughs> No, it, it was just more of an observation. There wasn't a turf war. There wasn't a kind of a thank you. It was like. And at that point, econ was required for all of the seniors, so it was okay. W- we got to take, we got to teach it. So, and you got to take that class. So that was it.
3: Nice.
2: Well, you know, the one part
0: of the elements that I would maybe argue, Kate, on your side is like
3: I love when we argue, Marshall.
0: Argue and love, Kate. Just <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I do think in like the science model, you know, it does say you go back to the explicit. You test their knowledge of the explicit content, and then you go back and teach it directly. I wonder if those being so segmented, you know, it it seems like it says, okay, take a timeout on rations, and let's all get out like a fraction sheet real quick and practice. I wonder if, and I'm sure that those researchers would share this, but I also don't think, I think you would lose... Then, then you do become a math class. Yeah. But if you just remain with those those circles kind of blending, then you really do start to get that benefit.
3: I I mean, I don't know where you, where the... I'd I love to argue with you too, but I hate to say I'm agreeing with you on this one. Um, I kind of wonder if uh, younger teachers, like those that are going through um, school now, if they're going to be a little better at that just because... Like, I watch my son and his math, and they never take it out of the context. I mean, he's he's in first grade and learning multiplication, which I remember learning in third grade, and it was like the table, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's beat into you, that this multiplication table. And his is always in the context. He doesn't at all think about the fact that he's multiplying. He thinks, you know, like, well, when, when you've got this many things, and it's, you know, I, right. here's how I can make sure that I have this many per, you know, whatever the context is, it's... He is not learning in a way where it's separated. So I wonder if teachers that are going through that kind of method of learning, if they're not going to see it as two very separate things like we do, right? We're constantly trying to take what was taught to us in very segmented ways and squish them together. Is it just are they building schema that are already naturally squished where it would seem weird for it to be separate? Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's the power of contextual teaching and learning. So as we wrap this up, some things that I think about, um, teachers, just look up, just Google contextual teaching and learning. And if you want to get into ag ed, look up Edwards, Parr, Stone, Pearson. um, Those are
3: last names of authors that have written things about that.
0: Yes, Young. So if you Google those names in contextual teaching and learning... There is some really... All those models and how they work. It's, it's a really interesting read if you're in a classroom. And I would say, you know, from our conversation, are we contextually teaching and learning? Yes, by nature. But I think it comes down to, but are we doing it well? Right. And yeah. I think so much of our research is everything works when you do it well. And so I think, how are you? What's the deliverable? What's the takeaway today if I'm in a classroom? And for me... Maybe it would be fun to just go around and be like, what's the one teacher takeaway from this? Mine would be, make sure you're shining the light on the math and science and engineering that's required to do and to learn in your ag ed classrooms.
3: Mine would probably be to make, now granted I only heard half the conversation, but mine would probably be to make sure that you are prepared to do so. Like that you don't assume that you know how to shine the light and you only focus on how to teach the ag and then you get in there and you're like, whoops, I totally forgot how to balance this equation. So make sure that you have a handle on the math before you try to teach that within a context.
2: Yep. And mine, mine's probably just rephrasing what Marshall said, but be intentional and mm. don't just assume that it's going to be there. Um, make sure that uh, you're intentional of how you're going to incorporate that. And then I think for students, a lot of times it's a challenge for them to be able to connect the dots. So I think going back and and helping them see how the math science and the, the, the contextual pieces are, are built in that.
1: I think you guys hit it for me too. I, I was just thinking of the number of times, whether it's balancing you know feed rations or whatever else, that you're up there, you're starting to teach it, and then you realize your students don't know the math or they don't know something and then you got to go back and, and do that mm-hmm. and you're like, I probably should have figured out or thought for the minute that I, I, have, I have assessed where they were mm-hmm. so that I don't confuse them. So I don't Un, have, have them unlearn how to read the tape measure, unlearn how to do basic mathematics right. to do it, and yeah. in, in investing five minutes early on to make sure they had it probably would have saved me two days of instruction and a lot a lot of confusion. Yeah. Great comments.
0: Things we can do right in the classroom right away. To end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to a quote by Alfred North Whitehead <laughs> in 1929. Hmm. The importance of knowledge lies in its use, in our active mastery of it. That is to say, it lies in wisdom. Now, wisdom concerns the handling of knowledge, its selection for the determination of relevant issues, its employment to add value to our immediate experience. So ultimately, contextual teaching and learning is making sure that what you are teaching is adding value to your students' immediate experiences. All right. Keep swimming out there, teachers. You're doing awesome work. We're trying to help you, um, but we're limited in our intellect. <laughs> so just That is well documented. Yeah. Keep, keep doing the good work while the rest of us just try to catch up. Um, we appreciate you guys in this conversation. If you have any questions about contextual teaching and learning or you have more comments or you want to have a conversation like this, then let us know. Um, we'd love to engage and help get some of this science and these ideas to your
1: classroom. All right, for Owl Pellets, we are
3: out.
1: We're out. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.